Oh baby. You're hearing what a rush. You're probably thinking, what the What is the Pod Warriors? Pod Warriors is the first ever spinoff on the Chick Foley Show podcast feed. Me and my main man, Jordan, we've been talking about this for a long time, and we just wanted to do something a little bit different. We're inspired by our good friends over at the Turnbuckle Tavern, who have about 13 different shows on their feed. And so me and Jordan just wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper on some of the topics in pro wrestling that we are really passionate about. Jordan, what's going on, man? How's life out in Nebraska? Man, there ain't much going on here, but uh, I'm very excited to do this. Um, This is something that me and you have talked about for a while. Um, Actually realizing it was a completely different part of it, but I'm excited to do this with you and there's nobody else I'd rather do it with. So I'm ready to get into it. Hell yeah. So again, me and Jordan have been best friends for over 10 years now. We originally met through being mutual Falcons fans, and he was kind of key in uh, bringing me back into the pro wrestling fold around 2014 after I'd been on about a 10-year hiatus. So really uh, life-changing friendship, especially if you see how much uh, how big a part of wrestling is in me and my family's life um, nowadays. But yeah, we're, we're kind of just tinkering with this. We talked about it for a long time. Me and him have so many just like long phone calls, uh, where we always end up, we, we typically start by reliving the shared pain of Super Bowl 51, where the Falcons blew that 28-3 lead, right, Jordan? Yeah, we might as well just relive it here while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> and we've kind of warned ourselves, if we ever did a podcast, just the two of us, we'd have to make a rule not to bring that up, because we felt like no matter what the topic is, we would somehow find a way to tie it back into that game and just relive that last uh, kind of 45, 50 minutes or so of that experience, which was uh, just brutal. We'll get past that, though. But yeah, but then we always end up talking about wrestling. We have very similar tastes in wrestling. Um, We've both been just lifelong fans, figure collectors and stuff. And we're just going to try to bring you guys something a little bit different. Um, We'll probably switch up the topic from week to week. I think instead of, you know, our show with uh, Sheena, a.k.a. Chick Foley and Marco, that ends up being kind of like a weekly recap of the world in wrestling where we talk about all the big shows. I think me and Jordan are probably going to be a little bit more focused. We'll maybe pick like one topic, it may be something that's in the news that week, or it may be, um, you know, just something we both kind of felt like talking about from years gone by and kind of digging on that and bringing it to you guys. So it may change a little bit here, these first two episodes. Uh, you know, this is the pilot right here. So, it, you know, if this is a train wreck, this might be a one and only. So definitely download, save this to your collection. It might be worth something uh, someday as like an NFT or something, you know, but uh, we'll get into it. And then a little bit, we're going to be counting down our top five favorite WrestleManias. Um, this will be airing just a couple of days prior to WrestleMania. So everybody should be in the spirit. There's nothing like WrestleMania season for fans. And yeah, we're going to go through each of our top fives. We're going to talk about the best matches, best moments, uh, kind of the biggest bloopers or worst matches from those shows. And then we're going to get into some figure talk, talking about what the best figure was from each show and maybe what some of our most wanted figures that haven't been made yet are. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. Before we get into that, I definitely want to give a shout out to the Pod Foundation. Again, special shout out to Turnbuckle Tavern. They kind of inspired us uh, to to do this spinoff just because those guys are just cranking out the content nonstop. So we started to kind of feel bad about ourselves and felt like we had to keep up. So the Pod Warriors will be the first ever spinoff of the Chick Foley Show. And uh, again, we're following in their footsteps. You can also check out the Extra Cooler Show and Coming Down the Aisle. Just great, great podcast. I f- firmly believe... You follow our four shows, and they're really all you need as far as wrestling content goes. Anything else is just extra from there. Um, and just follow at Pod Foundation on Instagram to to stay up on all the on er, all the latest releases. Um, you can follow my wife Sheena at Chick Foley to stay up on everything we got going on. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it for the plugs. Jordan, you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it, man. 
All right. So again, we are doing our top five WrestleManias of all time. We'll kind of, the, the format's going to be me and Jordan just kind of take turns going back and forth and uh, we'll kick it off. So I will go first with my number five mania of all time. And it is WrestleMania 4, 1988. Gee, so we're going on, you know, 34 years old at this point. Uh, and it was at the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City, the first of two back-to-back pay-per-views there. You can see former President Trump sitting front row throughout the night. This was a very unique uh, WrestleMania because it featured a 14-man tournament to crown the vacant world championship. So this one of the most famous, most watched matches in history from the main event in February of 1988. Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man conspired with the Earl Hebner's twin referee to basically steal the world title from Hulk Hogan. President Jack Tunney came down, stripped it, and said, we're going to have a 14-man tournament um, at WrestleMania to crown the new champ. Uh, Jordan, you got any memories from this show? So, I mean, I vividly remember it. Um, the tournament, the commentator was Euchre, wasn't it, Bob Euchre? Uh, I think he was a backstage. I don't think he was. Was he? On, I can't remember if he was on play by play. I know he was a backstage interviewer and stuff. I can't remember if he was actually on the play by play. I don't know why, but that's what always sticks out for this one from me. So I could be completely wrong, but I thought he was. Um, yeah, I mean, I obviously was at this point was so young that I mean I wouldn't have remembered this if I watched it live. Uh, but I do remember watching this in the early nineties. Um, going to rent a video at the video store and definitely watched this quite a few times. So. Um, yeah, I have good memories of this show. And yeah, I mean, it was unlike anything else. So uh, definitely very cool. Yeah, the so I'm glad you mentioned the video store because I think that's really why this one kind of sets in a warm spot in my heart because the in-ring quality throughout the night is kind of garbage, man. Like it, 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 that's typical of a lot of tournament shows. It's tough to pull one off. It's one of the reasons why King of the Ring 93 sticks out as such a great show. Where Brett had three really awesome matches throughout that tournament just because guys are working so much throughout the night and you typically have a ton of matches crammed onto one show. So it's, it's usually short matches with kind of like some fluky or – or like we we like to say on here, some fuck finishes to the matches. But the video store thing, um, I don't know if you remember this, Jordan. Remember, it was a double cassette event because the pay-per-view was four hours long because there were so many matches. So this, I remember that's what always stuck out to me at the store. It was this, you know, double wide, double deep, double deep box uh, at the at the video store. And you actually got two tapes for one. Uh, and I was just, that was just mind blowing to me as a kid that I had four hours of wrestling here that I was going to go check out. So yeah, very cool. Um, I think that's why it hits on the nostalgia factor for me. And just the uniqueness of the event being the the one-night tournament is what kind of bumped a few others from the list for me. Um, best match on this one, I got to say, it's the, the main event, Macho Man and Ted DiBiase. That may be the only quality match. I want to say, I think Strike Force and Demolition are on here. Had a pretty good match. But um, but yeah, for me, it was definitely Macho Man and Ted DiBiase. How about, how about you, Jordan? What was your favorite match from the show? Uh kind of going through right now. Oh yeah, definitely the main event. Um the, I would either pick that or I'd probably go uh Demolition defeats uh Strike Force. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker for all the Strike Force fans out there. I know our good friends uh Jeff and Scott, fully posable, they often bring up that match as being uh, just some true babyface heartbreak. Uh 16 matches on the show. Pretty in, pretty insane, but yeah, it was capped off with the newly babyface Macho Man winning his first world championship uh, by beating Ted DiBiase. And he had some help from Hulk Hogan. So this formed the mega powers and really set into a, uh, effect the main event storyline 
for the next year at the pay-per-view. Um, I also got to give a shout out to, for best moment to me, is the Hart Foundation kind of turned face on this night. Bret Hart and Bad News Brown were the last two people in the Battle Royal. Uh, they'd been working together the whole time to form kind of a partnership, and then Bad News Brown double-crossed Bret and threw him out. Bret comes back in the ring, basically trashes the uh, the trophy, and that was kind of the start of the babyface turn for the Hart Foundation. Um, and then... For worst moment, I got to say the ending to Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. So again, this is the rematch from WrestleMania 3. Super hyped up. It's on the cover of the freaking box. And it just goes nowhere. They fight for, I want to say maybe eight or nine minutes. When I got No, not even that. They fought for six minutes and ends in a double DQ with some chair shots and count outs. And for some reason, they still let Hulk Hogan pose for about 10 minutes afterwards, like leading to the intermission and... Just a total letdown. I, I could imagine, you know, being a fan at the time, being super hyped up for this big rematch, and then that's what you get for a finish. But Andre was really already starting to break down physically, and I think that was about the best they could get out of him. Uh, are there any particular lowlights from this show for you, Jordan? Um, I'm trying to think back to it. I would probably oh – one-man gang in Bam Bam Bigelow is pretty bad. <laughs> that, that in, my just- mind, in my mind, if you tell me that, I'm like, hell yeah, I cannot wait to see that. But yeah, the, the nostalgia factor doesn't really translate to the in-ring, man. Bam Bam wasn't really doing his thing at this time like he was uh, kind of in the 90s and stuff. Yeah, de- definitely not their finest moment in the sun. <laughs> For sure. Um what is, do you got any particular looks from this show that you would want to see get made into figure form, Jordan? All right. So <clears throat> we're going to go through this numerous times because Seth is going to remember these attires <laughs> much better than I am because I, I forget what these guys were wearing. Um, but if I had to choose one person that I would want a fig made out of out of this, I'm still going one man gang just because I want that figure in Mattel form. I just definitely I love that. I, I love always, I've always loved one man gang and um, his attire always just like resonated with me. So I would probably go with him. Great call. Yeah. One man gang. Very toyetic. He has some awesome figures on the books already between Jack's and uh, his classic LJN. Uh, there was, if you searched like Mattel one man gang, there was a prototype made that was going to be in the original legends line and he just got bumped. So hopefully they get the rights to big George back sometime and we could get that one made. Um, for me, I got two picks. Uh, Bret Hart had a really unique look at that event. He was basically wearing like a black leotard over like pink tights. So, you know, typically like his whole like lower half match, but on this one, he had black trunks over pink pants. It was a unique look and you could kind of have him come with like the a, a trophy that you could break up to commemorate that moment with Bad News Brown. My other one, Ultimate Warrior. If you just like Google image, Jordan, Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 4, this was a really unique look for him. He was rocking his WCCW look down in World Class in Texas. He had a headband that he wore to the ring. So Warrior fought. He wasn't in the tournament. He just had like an exhibition match uh, against Hercules. And he's rocking like uh, light blue gear. And he actually has a headband on that he wears to the ring. So that's kind of a unique look for him. I don't remember how many times he actually had that look in uh, in WWE. But yeah, I, I actually have a safe search on eBay for custom Ultimate Warrior. I'm specifically hoping some random customizer will uh, will do this figure. Mattel did it in basic form, but did not have the headband. So I, I think we need it in the Elite with the headband. And he beat Hercules and then went on to swing the big Hercules chain over his head after the match. So I think you could kind of tie that in as the accessory, man. 
Um, any final thoughts on WrestleMania four before we move on, Jordan? No, I, I was just thinking when you were talking about ultimate warriors gear, I'm like, they made that into a basic. Cause I definitely have that. But like you said, it just doesn't have the headband. Um, no, it definitely, uh, interesting way to do a show. Um, starting with the Royal rumble. So, um, I, I, this is a good choice. I hadn't thought about it. So I'll, I'll have to rewatch this one again. So yeah, good choice, man. Yeah. Pretty cool. Little fun fact. Uh, if you, Go back and watch it sometime. Macho Man changes gear for all four of his matches throughout the night. And I think we have elites of most of those looks. So uh, definitely give it a watch sometime and let us know what you think of WrestleMania 4. We will move on to Jordan's number five. All right. So I had a tough time slimming this down to five. So um, if if people don't agree with these, I, I get it. But it's it's really hard to pick five out of what are we going on? 38 now. Um, yep. It's, it's really tough to pick five. So my five, uh, is WrestleMania 21. Um, I don't know how much of this, um, Seth, do you remember watching this pay-per-view live or were you out of wrestling at this point? I did not watch this live, but I have gone back and watched it okay. since. So, um, one of the biggest things about this one was obviously WrestleMania goes to Hollywood. Um, so all like the vignettes and stuff were always, um, surrounded by movies and stuff like that. Like they did a dirty Harry playoff and, um, things like that. They did. I, I mean, they just did a lot of cool things since it was going back to Hollywood. And this is the last time they were in LA, which is pretty shocking, honestly. I mean, this is, uh, this is 17 years old. So, uh, the fact that they have not been back to LA in 17 years, granted, they're going back there next year, but I mean, it just kind of is surprising. The only time they've been back to California since this was WrestleMania 31. So yeah, and LA had kind of been a hotbed for them. They had WrestleMania seven was there. WrestleMania two, one part of WrestleMania two was there. Um, WrestleMania 12 was in like, you know, LA suburbs and same thing with WrestleMania 16. So that was kind of in the rotation for a while before it, before it fell out. But yeah, it's a really good point, Jordan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I love the build to this, this WrestleMania. Um, I was still deep into WrestleMania at this time and most people consider this the first WrestleMania that kind of bridges the gap from the attitude era. Right. So we, we kind of bridged on from stone cold and the rock and bridged to, uh, the two champions that win this night, which was John Cena and Batista, which were the two hot, uh, up and coming stars, even though Batista was in his thirties, but, um, that was, this is basically the bridge from the attitude era to, um, the ruthless aggression era is what you'd consider it now. Um, as far as best match on this card, gotta go Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. This match is phenomenal. I mean, it's a banger. Shawn always puts it down at WrestleMania, but do this angle match is up there for me for Shawn's best match ever. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. If you have not watched this match, definitely go back and watch it. Um, the whole card is great from start to finish. Um, Ray and Eddie started off in a phenomenal match and then it goes right into a money in the bank. So, uh, top to bottom, this is a great card. Um, that's definitely my best match. Um, do you have a different choice for best match stuff? No, I think that was it. John Cena beating JBL for his first world titles kind of got, uh, you know, the historical significance on it, but best match from bell to bell without a shadow of a doubt, uh, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the one where Kurt Angle dropped the straps didn't quite finish Sean off, and then he put the straps back up before he finally beat him. That is correct, one hundred percent correct. <laughs> that match, yeah, is I phenomenal. love that finish, man. Yeah, yeah, and he ankle locked him to win the match. So yeah, very, very good match. Um, 
as far as worst moment, there is a very, very bad moment on this pay-per-view. Um, again, if you haven't watched this, I would encourage you not to watch this one, though. Aki Bono. That is 100% correct. This is, <laughs> this is when Big Show was really all about the company and doing the job, man. And that dude put on a sumo gear, and he went out there and let Aki Bono beat him in 102. I mean, it, that was just atrocious. I still cannot believe they did that at a WrestleMania. Yeah, he was kind of in special attraction mode because it was a couple years later that he wrestled uh, wrestled Floyd Mayweather, you know. So this was just kind of, I don't know, it was Big Show's lost years, you know. This was when he was, because you remember when they brought him in in 1999, the thinking was he's going to be like a huge main eventer for for a decade for us. And it just didn't quite work out that way for whatever reason. But uh, but yeah, I'm kind of I'm with you all the way on the best matches and worst matches. It was an easy one on this show. Um I can't really look through the card. I, nothing's really like popping me for like iconic figures that came from the show. Is there anything that uh, hasn't been made that you want to see made from yes, the show? 100%. And this is not going to be a surprise to you. Trish Stratus's gear from this. Oh God, from, here we go. Hold on, hold on. From this mania is mage. Like this is a fig that I cannot believe they haven't made. So she basically has suspenders on holding her pants up and the gear is just phenomenal. So definitely Google it. I wish they would make an elite of this cause I'd buy it day one. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, to me, I want to see, I know Jax did this, but I want to see Mattel, maybe an even ultimate edition. I know he's already got two. I'd love to see an ultimate edition of Cena with the, the chain gang soldier Jersey, mm-hmm. like in like a, a really nice cloth goods execution. And he could come with that undisputed title, man. I think that would be uh that'd be pretty badass. Yeah, they definitely need to make that fig. But the problem with John Cena figs is once you've had two of them, I mean, how many more can you have? Like, that's the only problem yeah. with his figs. I feel like John Cena is perfect if they if Mattel ever decided to do this for like a Barbie style execution of a figure. So give us like the base figure and then just come out with packs of like different jerseys and hats and wristbands and stuff to put on him, you know, because He's he really doesn't change his actual look. He just changes like his shirts and stuff. If you think about it, so yeah, Jack, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but that, he'd be perfect if they decided to maybe do a, another new line with something like that. Jax did an entire WrestleMania 21 line office pay per view. I'm nearly positive. Nice. nice. I don't have yeah. any of it, but I'm pretty sure they did. All right. Any closing thoughts on 21 before we move on? No, man. Like I said, it, it's crazy that that's the last LA WrestleMania until next year, but um, I would definitely go back and watch this. And like I said, if you can find the vignettes from this, um, from this mania, I'd definitely go back and watch them because they're all pretty funny. So. All right. Let's hear from the two bad chads at the Turnbuckle Tavern. Drop by and visit the Turnbuckle Tavern, where every Thursday we give you the most in-depth analysis of all things AEW, as well as dive into Impact Wrestling, NWA, and all things Indie. If you like heated debates, compelling interviews, and a shot of nostalgia, you'll love the Turnbuckle Tavern, available on Apple and Spotify. Drink it in. It always goes down smooth. All right, we're taking it back to the early 90s for my number four pick. It is WrestleMania 7. So this was held another L.A. uh, pay-per-view, man. So this was in L.A. Uh, It was originally scheduled to be in the Memorial Coliseum. They were going to try to sell 100,000 tickets. And if you look at some of the early promo posters, I'm convinced that the original idea was you were going to have Warrior versus Hogan Part 2 because that's what's on. on, They The original promo poster for that pay-per-view, if you search like 
maybe try searching like WrestleMania seven original poster. Um, you'll see there's a Hulkamania flag and the ultimate warrior flag hanging above the stadium. So that leads me to believe that that was the original plan. And then for whatever uh, reason, it just didn't work out. But so it was going to be an LA Coliseum. They moved it to the, uh, like the forum because they depend on who you ask. Either Sergeant Slaughter was getting death threats with his pro Iraqi um, gimmick and they needed to move it because of the heat or more likely it was, uh, it was just ticket sales weren't there and they didn't want to have a, uh, you know, empty stadium show or whatever. So, um, but I'm fond of this one. I remember watching it on VHS. It's got a few iconic matches and it just really kind of resonates me from a nostalgia uh, perspective. Uh, What about you, Jordan? You got any thoughts on WrestleMania seven? I actually love this pay-per-view and I'm glad that you picked this. Um, This definitely, I mean, this is not my favorite Ultimate Warrior match, but this is probably his actual best match. So obviously this one tugs at my heartstrings. Um, You get the Legion of Doom on this show. So yeah, I I remember this show. Um, I remember watching this as a kid and just being blown away by um, Warrior and Savage. But yeah, man, I, I definitely remember this show. So definitely good choice. Yeah. Uh, we'll go into best match. So again, for my best match, uh, there were a couple ones that I really love, but I will definitely echo Jordan with the Ultimate War and Macho Man. They had just a real true blood feud going. It was a retirement match, and I was still young and naive at the time. I fully believed in my heart of hearts as a seven-year-old that whoever lost this match was not going to wrestle again. That was going to be it for them. And I was never going to see them wrestle. And so it carried some, uh, some serious emotion. The guys put on just a hell of a match in the ring. Warrior kicked out from multiple flying elbows off the top rope. Both guys are in iconic gear. I think it's two of the all-time greats at the top of their game. And then we had just the incredible, one of the most emotional moments in wrestling history when Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man reunited after the match. Um, yeah, just hats off, bravo storytelling, and just a hell of a hell of a performance from everyone involved. Anybody that says the Ultimate Warrior can't work, go and watch this match. Um, Jordan, how about you, man? Does uh, any other matches that you really love from this one? I love the opening match of this pay per view. Like, yes, dude. Yes, the Rockers versus Haku and the Barbarian is just it, it hits for me. I, they started this show off so well with that match. Now, granted, the next match did not follow it up very well, but. Um, the opening match was a killer. And then it's pretty crazy that the last two pay-per-views me and you just reviewed the middle match was the best match of the show. Cause I a hundred percent agree. Warrior and Savage is the match of the show. Um, that's pretty crazy to think about for a WrestleMania that the middle of the card, there's two matches on the last two we reviewed that are the best match of the night. Yeah. Uh, and warrior was kind of talking cash shit on this show. If you look at his gear, um, on the back of it, he had like basically on his ass, he had airbrushed. This match means much more than this. And it had a picture of the classic winged Eagle world title, basically saying like, yeah, this is going to be the main event match, you know? Um, pretty cool. Uh, you got any, so my low light from this one, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a blooper. It was a fun moment, but it's really kind of a bummer looking back on it. This was, one of Andre the Giant's very last appearances for WWE. Uh, the big boss man fought Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship. Boss man won by DQ, so he didn't get the belt. And then some of the rest of the Heenan family came up and ganged out on him. And Andre the Giant came out to kind of, you know, make the save, if you want to call it that. He was really just getting out in front of the crowd. But he was on canes, and you could see it was hard for him to even move around. And, like, it was just really depressing looking back on us. Sadly, Andre would be gone from us, you know, about nine months after this. Um but yeah, that, that's probably my low light is seeing Andre come out, being in the condition that he was in. How about you, Jordan? 
dude, if there's a blindfold match, I'm picking it. And there's a blindfold match on this. <laughs> so it's getting picked as the low light of I the night. I think that match is fun, man. I hate that match. I think it's fun, man. It's as a one-off, dude. I mean, they have they. I I I don't think WWE's done a blindfold match since then, man. I I thought it was fun. It it, it was a good culmination of the story, you know. Rick Martel sprayed the arrogance in Jake Roberts' eyes, and we had this really unique match. It went on a little bit long, right? It was eight minutes and thirty-four seconds. Probably could have kept that one at about five minutes, because really the whole time you're just waiting for Jake to get him cinched up and hit that DDT, right? Yeah. That was the beauty of the DDT. That's the that's the perfect finisher for a blindfold match like this. Um, so yeah, you probably could have cut some time off of it, but I thought it was fun for what it was, man. I mean, but it's, it's definitely a divisive match though. There are a lot of, that, that gets mentioned a lot on like worst matches in WrestleMania history. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not my favorite, but I can see what you're saying about it being fun because of the, I just, it definitely does not age well. That's for damn sure. Um, I did mention Legion of Doom being on this pay-per-view. That match is also atrocious. So, uh, see, I kind of like that one too, man. I see. I don't know, dude. I guess I, I got a soft spot. I think it's just a straight up squash, but I liked it, dude. Cause mm-hmm. I always thought power and glory had a good look. So I like seeing them come out and just get straight up wrecked by LOD. Cause that's <laughs> what you pay to see LOD do, right? Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't really care about seeing LOD go for like a twenty minute banger. I want to see them come out and just stomp ass and, and get out of there, man. So, but yeah, it, that match was fifty nine seconds long, so yeah, it's not going to win any. It's not going to win any Meltzer awards. Um, speaking of tag team matches, the Nasty Boys and Heart Foundation had a really good match. I remember being like viscerally pissed off at you know Jimmy Hart using the motorcycle helmet to to let the Nasty Boys take the belts off the Hart Foundation. But you know, looking back, it was definitely a blessing in disguise because. This match kind of kick-started uh, Bret Hart's solo run. This would be the last tag team pay-per-view match for for Bret and Jim, um, but it's a good one. And then the main event was fun too. You know, it had its it had its slow moments in the middle because it is Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter, but the energy was there. Uh, Hulk Hogan's uh, shed some serious blood, and it was just the nice culmination to the story. You know, babyface going over a true heel to be standing tall at the end of Mania. Um, Jordan, what is your favorite figure from this event? I know I just ripped on the match, but I would love to get a two pack of Martel and Jake Roberts in the blindfolds. Oh my gosh, yeah! If uh, if Mattel brings back like the two, the elite two pack concept, yeah, that would be so much fun, man. Because we are due for a new Rick Martel for sure. But yeah, those guys with the blindfolds would be awesome. Um, as far as what's needed, I got a pretty good set of Power and Glory customs already, so I'm gonna say Haku and Barbarian. We definitely need Barbarian. He's one of like the big black holes in the the figure collection for Mattel right now. So that'd be awesome to get him. Maybe you could do like a two, use the accessories, get creative, maybe do a couple different head sculpts. You could do like a two for one with uh, him. So you could have him with his look when he was solo and when he was with, um, with the warlord powers of pain. And obviously we need Haku dude, just a true legend. Never really rose above the mid card, but a real legendary wrestler Um, for the best figures we've gotten. Got to go with that best match, man. Mattel gave us two bangers of Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior back in the original Defining Moments line. Oh, you're 100% right. This was two of the defining moments that I knew I had to have in my collection. Um, I have these figures loose and on card because I love both of these figures so much. I mean, the tassel work on Macho Man's jacket in that Defining Moments is some of the best ever. And yeah, that Ultimate Warrior airbrush jacket is just phenomenal. Yeah, both those figures are crazy. I'm going to be a total prick here, 
we need a redo of that Macho Man. So remember, he started off the match in the shirt. Remember, Macho Man was rocking like the sleeveless tops at the start of a lot of his matches. And he did end up going shirtless, but Mattel didn't give us the shirt. So I think you could either do an Ultimate Edition and just go all out, give us everything. And just he could have like the painted on top like they did with that Royal Rumble Elite a couple years back. Or um, put him in the main Elite line and just not have, don't give him the jacket. I feel like that would really like drive the value up on that old Defining Moments figure too. But um, that'd probably piss a lot of people off if they did that. But yeah, I, I really want to get that macho man with the, with the top to go with him. Am I, am I psycho for, uh, for wanting that man? No, I, I think, the, I think they had good reasoning for not doing it because the majority of people don't take the jacket off that figure, even when it's loose. Um, yeah. And he finished the match with the shirt off too. Like it's, it's not like an unforgivable sin, but I just, I feel like it was like that close to just being absolute perfect, you know? Yeah, it was, it was definitely there. So really though we've kind of been dancing around it the figure we need the most from this is miss elizabeth and that shiny sparkly like black and silver sweater that she was wearing man like how do we not have that yet because they've given us liz in like a generic white dress a generic green dress we got her in her mega powers look we got three freaking elizabeth elite figures but we do not got liz from uh from wrestlemania 17 yet man i feel like we got to have that or excuse me wrestlemania 7 yeah, it, that definitely is a missing spot in the collection. So good call on that. I didn't even think of that one. So yeah, that's good. Another, one. yeah, that could be another two pack idea. You could do her with Sherry because the Sherry we got was kind of like early '80s Sherry. We didn't, we haven't really gotten a true like, uh, you know, Macho Queen Sherry when she was all the way glammed out. Cause she was she had like some crazy outfit from this show too. That like silver like looked like she was wearing a freaking chandelier or something. Yeah. All right, we will move on to Jordan's number four. So, for number four, I chose WrestleMania 19 uh, from Seattle at Safeco Field. Um, I love the layout of this, the entrance and everything. I I love this pay-per-view, watching it live. Uh, This was my senior year in high school, so I was about two months from graduating. I just remember um, going over to my friend's house, and there was about 20 of us over there watching this pay-per-view and just knowing that was the last time we were going to watch a WrestleMania in high school. So this one definitely holds a special place for me. Um, Top to bottom, again, really good card. Um, Everything on this had a point, and that's a big thing for WrestleMania because – Anymore, it seems like you just get a lot of thrown together matches, right? Um, yeah, I felt like like we got to get people on the card, just to have them on the card. All the main matches on this, like they had a point. I mean, outside the Undertaker match is bad, but um, outside of that, everything on here had a point. Um, it, like I said, I just I remember because uh, I mean the last three ma- or last four matches, I think all almost went twenty minutes, if I remember right, um, and I just remember like watching it thinking, man, anything can go in any of these matches. And, um, yeah, the, the show closer definitely did its job. Uh, the only problem was that they put rock and Austin on right before Lesnar and angle. And obviously when you put rock and Austin on, I mean, you're going to kind of kill the crowd a little bit, but I will give them credit. The crowd was still into it for the Lesnar angle match, but yeah, when you do rock and Austin and that was right after Hogan and McMahon. So, they really stacked. This was like a triple main event almost, and that kind of sucks because Triple H and Booker T was right before Hogan and McMahon. So it was almost like a four a four way main event. You know, I mean, shit. Sean and Jericho went twenty plus minutes right before that too, man. Well, there was a 
the pillow fight in between (laughs) Jericho and Triple H and Booker T. Uh, We don't even need to talk about that. That is, uh, we don't even need to ask me for the low light. That is the low light. Like, yeah, if there was uh if there's one thing WWE does better with WrestleMania nowadays, it's the pacing of the show. I feel like nowadays you that Sean and Jericho match is probably opening the show, you know, which back then that was like they really treated the openers as like just whatever, just something to get the crowd warmed up. I feel like nowadays you'd space those big matches out a little bit just to kind of let the crab let the crowd get a little bit of ebb and flow on the energy levels. But yeah, same, I remember I watched the show at my uncle Josh's house. I was the same, you know, I graduated the same year as you, so yeah, this was kind of like the last uh, WrestleMania before I really kind of stepped out into the big wide world. Um, uh, my interest in wrestling was a little bit waning at this point because really the way the brand split or way, the way, excuse me, the way WCW's invasion was handled kind of just cooled me off a little bit as far as as being a fan because that was just something I dreamed about for years and we all know it just didn't hit like it needed to, but this was still a really good WrestleMania. Um, shout out to Safeco Field, man. I think they could totally go back there for Mania. I love the look of it. Just something about the stadium. I don't know if it was just because it was a baseball stadium or the particular layout for that. I love the way the lighting hit. It was just a really, really nice looking WrestleMania. Like it looked, it looked big, you know, it looked like the, something you just had to watch. Um, the Sean and Jericho match is definitely my favorite. I love that one. Uh, prior to that, we'd seen Sean in a couple of just hellacious brawls with Triple H in that big elimination chamber match. This really felt like Sean, the first true Shawn Michaels match that we'd had since he came back. And him and Jericho just put on a banger. Even though Jericho main evented the mania the year before, to me, this really felt like his coming out party where he reached like the peak of what he was going to be over the next uh, you know 10 to 12 years there in his run in WWE. So I love that one. What is your actual favorite match on this show, Jordan? I'm going to go Lesnar and Angle. Um, I, I love that match. Um, I, I know everybody's going to be like, how did neither one of you pick The Rock and Austin? But I, I love... We've seen better Rock and Austin matches, which, spoiler alert, we may get to later on in the show tonight. That is a great match, man. It, but It is. Yeah, and, I agree. And I mean, dude, even Hogan and McMahon, for what it was, it was actually really good, and they did it really yeah, well. Yeah, it was fun. He had, he had an appearance from, from Piper, who we hadn't seen in a long time. Like, yeah, it was a really good show. It, or it was a really good match, excuse me. It went a little long, but, I mean, it was still really good. But, dude, Brock and Angle is so good. And for those of you that don't know, and spoiler alert here, uh, Brock goes for a shooting star press at the end of this match and does not make it all the way. Like, just think if he would have hit that man. If he would have hit that, we would be seeing that clip like every single year at WrestleMania time. He's lucky he didn't uh, like kill himself basically because he missed it by a lot. Like it, it was pretty bad. I mean, yeah, I, he planted straight on his head. Like instead, you know, uh, a shooting star uh, press trying to do like a, a full 360 degree rotation. He made it about 270 degrees and just planted right on top of his dome into the apron. It was ugly. Yeah, it, which is crazy considering that was there was that big of a botch in that match and it's still as good as it is. So tells you a lot about those two and how well they work together. So. I would definitely go with that. Uh, again, low light pillow fight. Uh, no need for that on this card. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said. My low light, I'd say it's 2003. You have one of the most stacked rosters in WWE history, really. Like from 2002 and 2003, they had that was when they were really starting to fill out with like the full complement of WCW superstars over there and ECW. I don't know how Big Show and A Train ends up being the best match we can dig up for The Undertaker. You know, like that just seems like a total waste of an Undertaker match. I think that stands out as probably not the worst in ring because he had some stinkers there those early years of the streak. But as far as like the actual like, you know, 
name value and prestige of the match, I think that is the worst Undertaker match at WrestleMania. So that that's definitely my low light. Uh, did anything? Do you have anything else besides the the pillow fight and the Brock botch, Jordan? Uh, no, I, like I said, just everything about this card. I mean, I've went back and watched this since since then, obviously, and it still is it still holds up to this day. So I definitely encourage everyone to go back and watch this one. Um, yeah, that's basically all I got for this one. Yeah, favorite figure from this show is probably the ringside exclusive Chris Jericho that dropped with the he came with like the blue and black uh, like entrance shirt he was wearing and had his little funny goatee he was rocking at the time. Um, Looking up and down, that's really the only like super event specific figure that I remember from this one. Is there anything that you want to see made from this show, Jordan? Um, I'm trying to think back to what everyone was wearing. Again, I'm going to harken back to a two pack. I would like to see Hogan and McMahon get made into a two pack. I think that would be cool. That would be really especially if they could do uh, blood and guts AEW style. Yeah, I think it would be really cool to do this one into a two-pack. There's not a whole lot of memorable attires from this show, which kind of sucks. Um, no, we're still coming out of the Attitude Era where it's like everybody's just in black gear, or maybe if you're lucky, maybe they're rocking red gear. Yeah, the colorful gear was not in vogue in 2003. Yeah, Sean definitely had some cool tights on for this uh, pay-per-view. He did. This was, this was still pre-Chaps era HBK. He only would have one more WrestleMania in the tights um, before going to the, the Chaps. Uh, this would, it's a super easy custom to do. So this isn't the most like exciting pick, but I think you could do a really, really cool, maybe as like a ringside collectibles, exclusive execution, MOC, uh, the rock wearing stone cold, Steve Austin's vest. Cause you remember he throws on the vest for a portion of the match on this one. And I think that would be a pretty cool looking figure Hollywood rock with, uh, and he could be packaged wearing Steve Austin's vest. I think that'd be kind of neat. Yeah, that's a that's actually a really good choice, but I mean, yeah, it is pretty easy to customize that one too. But yeah, that one's an easy one. But, but like you, like we said, there's not a whole lot from this show that we could really pick from because everybody's in pretty much generic gear for this show. You could do a pillow fight box set. Um, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> All right, before we do that, let's hear from Nick and the crew at Extra Cooler. Hey everyone, it's Nick, better known as Extra Cooler. Is there anything better than diving back into the wrestling archives and watching classic matches from the past? Yes, there is. It's doing that with your buddies while cracking jokes and enjoying some ice-cold beverages. If that sounds like fun to you, then be sure to check out my new podcast, The Extra Cooler Show, where each episode, my Survivor Series team and I review an old-school match chosen by you, the listeners. The Extra Cooler Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and follow us for new episodes every other Thursday morning. All right, number three for me, sticking with the early 90s. You might start to notice a theme as we move through the countdown. WrestleMania 8, the year right after WrestleMania 7. Um, for a lot of the same reasons, this one just hits me right in the nostalgia spot. I do think have this was the only WrestleMania that was held in Indianapolis at the, the Hoosier Dome, later known as the RCA Dome. That had like the big, almost like translucent roof, so the lighting looked really, really cool as the show moved from afternoon till evening, and the arena was absolutely humongous. So it looked like... A really, really big show, and um, it's really primarily my favorite for the Bret Hart and Roddy Piper Intercontinental Championship match. Just a great match, great bit of storytelling. Bret gets busted open. He's wearing this awesome all-pink gear, and he wins, he wins a second Intercontinental Championship against Roddy Piper, who... Um, at the time, I don't think I really even realized how big of a deal it was, because Roddy Piper and... 
it, you know, I really got into wrestling, was able to follow it like smartly around like 1990. So 1992 to me, Roddy Piper is like, you know, a legend who was an in-ring commentator who just happened to get a run with the IC title. It wasn't until I grew up and got a little bit older that I realized that Piper was like one of the three or four biggest stars in wrestling in the 80s. And and the other cool thing about Piper, he almost never lost clean. Like if he did lose a match, it was like count out or something like that. He rarely put people over the way he put Brett over at WrestleMania 8. So uh, there's some other stuff I really love from this event, but I'll toss over Jordan first to get kind of his initial thoughts from, from WrestleMania 8 in 1992. So obviously the big thing that's going to stand out to almost everyone from this show is macho and rick flair right um that's i to me that's what i remember most about this show um looking through the card i definitely remember a lot of the matches and stuff just in my mind i can replay some of these back but yeah every time i think of this show i always think of flair and savage but um like you said this what this is a really cool um backdrop for a wrestlemania because yeah the hoosier dome is gigantic and um i mean we're just now we're spoiled with all these big arenas and stuff but looking back on it and seeing them doing some of these bigger arenas is is a really cool thing so yeah another good choice yeah, the other big matches from the show, or, or not necessarily big, but memorable. He had Shawn Michaels' first WrestleMania match as a solo star. He had turned on Marty Jannetty a few months prior, and he defeated Tito Santana in the opener. Um, again, like Jordan mentioned, Macho Man won his second world championship from Ric Flair in what was definitely the match of the night. And then the main event, uh, again, it was kind of like a fuck finish ending, especially for the main event at Mania, but it was Hulk Hogan and what was supposedly his last match. Keep in mind, this was 1992. We just talked about a WrestleMania from 2003 that prominently featured the Hulkster. But in 1992, they were the big selling point of WrestleMania was Hogan's last match going up against Sid Justice. And we ended up getting interference from Papa freaking Shango of all people and uh, a returning ultimate warrior. So pretty bonkers ending, but it was still, even though like, as a kid, I was super hyped seeing WrestleMania end with the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan standing tall um, for low lights. I'd say probably Owen Hart and Skinner, Owen Hart, you know, poor Owen. He's in like the, the popcorn match right before the main event. Um, he's, it's kind of like the last chance for people to go take a piss, grab a beer before Hulk's coming out. He actually got tobacco spit, spit in his face by Skinner. Still won the match, though, but I don't know if you necessarily call that over if you get freaking dip juice spit in your face. So that's probably the low light to me. I feel like they probably could have found something better to do with Owen, um, but he was still a few years away from his real breakout. You got any low lights from this one, Jordan? Yeah, de- definitely. Owen. Like, I was seriously going to say Skinner is on a WrestleMania. Like, dude, let's let that sink in. The in. Second to ma- he's ba- you know, depending on how you want to look at it, technically, that's the co-main event, man. That's the second to last match, and it's Owen Hart versus Skinner. Yeah, that, that's not great. Poor Owen, man. Like, really? Skinner? Come on, guys. Like, what, what are we doing here? But, I mean, <laughs> o- overall, I mean, there's nothing too harmful about this show. Um, I... Now I don't love the finish of the main event, but obviously when I was a kid, like you just said, I was going nuts because Ultimate Warrior was out there. But like looking back on it now, I didn't love that finish. But uh, yeah, and Papa Shango was really intriguing to me as a kid. Also, like this voodoo witch doctor heel, like I thought that was a pretty neat gimmick, even though he didn't have a lot of success. One thing we also didn't mention: this was Undertaker's first match as a babyface on WrestleMania. He beat Jake Roberts with a freaking tombstone on the outside of the ring, of all things. Uh, which is pretty intense for 1992. And uh, yeah, that that was, you know, this was really what started the streak because he beat Jimmy Snooker the year before. So this was match number two to really get the WrestleMania streak rolling. Um, Jordan, you got any favorite figures from this event? We've gotten some good ones. Um, Favorite figures. The only thing that I can think of is what I want from this one. So how would I do that first? Yeah, let's do it. 
I want a Mountie Elite really bad. <laughs> like, yes, dude. Uh, I, I yeah, just need that. I mean, dude, there's like almost everybody in that match is a person that you can either have a figure of or already has a figure other than the Mountie. I mean, the Repo Man technically doesn't have a... We need the Repo Man and we need Face Virgil, dude. We haven't gotten Baby Face Virgil. The Baby, the baby Face Hasbro Virgil slaps, man. That's a great figure. I don't care, care what anybody says. I would love to get that remade in elite form but yeah virgil and repo man need to be made um i wouldn't mind seeing macho man with a jacket we got an awesome version of macho man from elite 23 with the gold gear but he didn't have the jacket he had the shirt and the pants but he was missing the jacket so that'd be cool um other than that i think we're pretty much covered obviously you know we know jazzwares is going to be making owen figures this year if they made a high energy look that would be pretty neat um our friend Showstopper Custom Figs, he makes a really good Owen Hart high energy gear and Coco if, if you uh, want to cough up the money. But, you know, obviously that's pretty pricey. Skinner would be cool too, man. Skinner's one of the Hasbro 5 that he got a figure in the Hasbro line and never got another figure. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of picks in the mid card. They got most of the most of the main looks are done, though. We haven't had Brett from his WrestleMania 8 look yet. So that's one of like the key Brett looks that's still missing. Um, there's an awesome, awesome ringside collectibles, exclusive Shawn Michaels figure, uh, from that event. You remember that one, Jordan from back in 2015? Yeah, that's a really good figure. I don't have that one, but that is a really, really good figure. So yeah, you're right. I thinking back to it. I I couldn't really think of all the figures we had got from this, but yeah, I forgot that macho man is phenomenal other than not having the jacket. Yeah, that's probably actually my favorite macho man head sculpt. I don't know if something happened to the tooling for that one or whatever, because it's a really, really good one. One of the best, like pre true FX uh, face scans. Um, but they've never gone back. They never reused that one. They always, they typically use like the more crazy eyed one now for whatever reason. But <laughs> but yeah, fun event. Uh, Jordan, what's your number three? My number three, um, and this could have easily been my number one. Uh, I'm gonna go WrestleMania six. Um, this so spoiler alert. WrestleMania six was. My that was like my first one out, man. That was my biggest cut. It was really tough to pick between WrestleMania four and WrestleMania six. So it barely missed the cut for me. But uh, I'll I'll give my thoughts on why it missed the cut. But Jordan, first, take it away. Tell us why you love WrestleMania six. This is my this is the first WrestleMania I remember watching. Um, Same. This is also this is when I really got into wrestling because um, I saw the Ultimate Warrior on TV. Um, and it just, it, that's what drew me into wrestling was the ultimate warrior. So I'll always be thankful for that. Um, and just seeing two larger than life people wrestle in the main event, you know, um, this was, this was a gigantic match. I mean, these guys were both at the peak of their career at this point, which is wild that they were wrestling at, at, in the main event of WrestleMania six. I mean, it's pretty hard to get a bigger match than this to me. I mean, this still is up there for top three for main events for me. Um, it might not be the greatest wrestling match ever, but it's a damn good one, man. Yeah. It is a damn, like there's no, there may not be no tope con helos and 30 minutes straight of chain wrestling, but as far as telling a story, um, it's up there, dude. Like this was one of the rare matches. Pat Patterson actually booked it, laid it out move for move. I think that's why it just flows so well. You know, it's really like, it's almost like watching a cinematic match that got so popular the last couple of years. Cause it's just, it is a perfectly scripted match, you know? Yeah. It, and this is, uh, this is the Toronto mania too. And 
you, you always know when they go out of the U.S. that the crowd's always going to put it down. I mean, they, they always do a great job. The crowd was really into this show. Uh, a lot of people think this is a one-match show. I don't think it's necessarily only one good match. I mean, there's a few good matches on it, but, I mean, the majority of this show is for Ultimate Warrior and Hogan. But, I mean, that should tell you how powerful that match is, that Seth, who is the wrestling aficionado of this show, um, is telling you that this barely missed the cut. And like I said, all wrestling purists think this is a one match show and for it to make my top five. And I've, I've never stopped watching wrestling. I've always watched WWE and WWF. Um, so for this to make my top five and almost make Seth's top five is pretty telling about how much of a impact that that match had on our childhood. So, yeah, couldn't, yeah, perfectly said, I, I will counter Jordan. I think it is a one match show, man. Um, you could maybe give a little bit of credit to Demolition and the Colossal Connection just because even though the in-ring action wasn't the best, it was cool seeing Demolition win their third tag team title. And it really kind of finished off the the Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant storyline. You know, Andre ends up turning back babyface at that. So that was a moment. Other than that, this is really like almost a throwback to WrestleMania one where it's a series of exhibition matches. Like there's a little bit of feuds built in dusty and Sapphire and the mixed tag against uh, Randy and queen Sherry's. That was probably like the next biggest match. Other than that, you got a whole bunch of just one-offs Jim Duggan versus Dino Bravo freaking Orient express versus the rockers. Um, the barbarian versus Tito Santana heart foundation squashing the Bolsheviks in 19 seconds, a bunch of stuff like that earthquake beating Hercules. Um, but it doesn't matter because that main event is that huge. We had never before seen a winner-take-all Intercontinental versus World Championship match. And, I mean, when I say, like, these two guys could not have been any stronger baby faces, they could not have been any stronger baby faces. When I hear the classic Gorilla Monsoon line, the irresistible force meets the immovable object, this is what I think about because nobody knew who was going to win. You know, Hulk had been the man for six years at this point, you know, never took a loss. The only time he got beat was on that stupid, uh, you know, the match we talked about earlier where Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase paid off the ref. And the Warrior was just this, you know, unstoppable, like streak of lightning going across the sky in the WWE universe. I still remember as a five-year-old, same as you, Jordan. This was the first event I remember watching live. I may have seen like some episodes of Superstars or something on TV as they were happening, but this was definitely my first pay-per-view. We went to my cousin Greg's house in Kentucky to watch it. I remember this was an early afternoon pay-per-view. Like I want to say like this thing was on at like three in the afternoon or something like that. It was unique for a WrestleMania that it actually happened um, kind of early in the day. Uh, and yeah, 4 p.m. Eastern. So it was 3 p.m. Central time. This thing was happening. So this was an afternoon WrestleMania, even on the East Coast. So that already made it unique. And I remember being there, um, being so hyped, watching this match. My So my dad, for those who don't know, my dad was in the Navy and he had actually, I can't remember if he'd been on deployment or something, but for whatever reason, my dad had been gone for like three or four months. And as I'm at my cousin Greg's watching the event, my mom was going to the airport to pick up my dad. So like, I just remember as a kid, like I got WrestleMania and then right after this, my dad's getting home and like just a euphoric day for me. I was the biggest Hulkamaniac as a kid. I had the Hulk dumbbell set. Like that was like the only wrestler I knew. If I had seen the ultimate warrior before this event, I don't remember it, right? I think my my introduction as Warrior was on this day, and I remember being so conflicted because all day long, like my Uncle Josh, who's seven years older than me, and my cousin Greg, they were doing the cool thing. They were rooting for the Warrior, right? Because that was like, you know, if this was nowadays, the smart thing would have been to root for the Warrior because he was like the new hot thing. And I remember being so conflicted because all day long, I was like the only person going for Hulk. 
But then I'll be damned. The match starts and like by the middle of it, I'm totally conflicted because I'm seeing this dude in all this neon and face paint. And I'm like in my mind, I'm going back and forth. Like I want them both to win. I don't want anybody to lose. I don't know what I want. And I just remember being mind blown by this match, man. It's just it really is incredible, man. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Jordan, what, what, I mean, do you got any other thoughts on it? No. And so I, I'm going to just so we can kind of piggyback off this. So um, my wife, uh, when we met, obviously knew nothing about wrestling. Right. Um, at the time, I think it was WWE 24 seven was all we had. Or you could watch it on VHS, the old tapes. So one night I popped in Ultimate Warrior and Hogan as an aphrodisiac to really get the night started. (laughs) (laughs) Really set the mood. Yeah. And I just remember like looking over and looking at her face because at first she's like, why are we watching this? And I'm like, just wait, just wait. This this match is phenomenal. And I I looked over at her because I thought she was going to be like on her phone or something. And she's glued to the TV like... It was like oh, yeah. me watching it as a little kid again, watching her watch it through her eyes. And it, yeah, man, th- that that match is just, that's going to always be a special match for me. I don't care what people say about Warrior or Hogan or how they work. And um, this match is just, it, it, there's so much nostalgia in this match. And it does, man. I mean, me and you were the same age at this time. We were five years yeah. old. And it, it just takes you back to being five years old when you watch this match. I mean, you have art in your house of this match. I have yeah, art. Yeah. I have art that literally sits behind me as we podcast of this match. Um, it's This match is just, I mean, it, it, it gets no better. Like Seth said, if you want to consider this one match card, the fact that people talk about this as even a top 10 WrestleMania with one match should tell you all you need to know about that one match. Yeah, it's just it's larger than life. If you haven't seen it, go watch it right now. Start with start with the entrances. It is incredible. Um, for lowlights, I don't necessarily know if I have any man. Like there wasn't anything huge on the rest of the show, but it's all pretty inoffensive. Um, Roddy Piper's half white, half black face paint, like the full body paint, definitely hasn't aged well. <laughs> so I'd probably say that is probably uh, probably my, my low light. How about you? You got anything, Jordan? Man, we're going to go with the same two people again. Big Boss Man and Akeem. That match is atrocious, <laughs> dude. I don't know what it is. These two cannot wrestle at WrestleMania. It's just it, it doesn't mesh well. So uh, that's what I'll go with. I hated that match, and I still hate it to this day. So You didn't you didn't like seeing the, uh, the, the Twin Towers explode? No, that match was atrocious. <laughs> it was a minute and 49 seconds was the other offensive part about it. Yeah, so for best figure from this, obviously WrestleMania six Ultimate Warrior is kind of like iconic in figure lore at this point. He they did an outstanding job. He was in series one of Jack's classic superstars. Think about that. This was a brand new concept. People didn't know if there would be an appetite for it or if it would even work, making a whole line based off, you know, legends and older superstars. And Jeremy Padauer, good friend of the show. He deemed that that specific look from that specific wrestler had to be in the first series to get it off the ground. Um, what's your favorite version of WrestleMania Six Warrior, Jordan? Because we've gotten it across so many different lines at this point. Man, it, it's really tough to pick a favorite because they all are—they're all different and unique in their own way. I, I do like that we got an Ultimate Edition. Like you said, there's there's gripes about it because 
Um, I would prefer there be some paint worn off or give us separate torsos for it. Yeah, um, there's still a better one or at least another one to be made, but you can't say anything necessarily bad about that figure. I think I think it is the best one we've gotten so far. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's so cool. to. I mean, like the, the box art and everything, it's just, it, those Ultimate Editions, they just... It exceeds all of your expectations when you get them in hand. So I encourage everyone, if you have not started collecting these, get whatever you can now because these things are going to be really expensive in a couple of years. I mean, some of them already are. So, Oh, yeah. For most wanted figure, I kind of I got a twofer. Um, I'll go first. I'll save my second one because I don't want to pull a Sheena and take all the meat off the bone for you to answer. I'll go with Orient Express for my first pick, man. I feel like it, it, with a Mr. Fuji bonus, we can get Mr. Fuji along with him. That would be choice. But Orient Express, I feel like they were a little bit ahead of their time. They were putting on bangers in the early 90s. There were a lot of pay-per-views where they would tell them and the Rockers to just go out and tear it down, man. So I would love to see some Orient Express figures. I think that'd be pretty cool. How about you? What's your most wanted figure from this show, Jordan? <sighs> I really want a Dino Bravo Elite really bad just because yeah. we, we don't have one. But if I had to just pick one, I would probably go with Sapphire, honestly. like That'd be cool. I, I would like to have one of her. I know she didn't have a huge, huge role. I mean, it's but just to have one of um, all the ladies and stuff. And the, I think they'll definitely start expanding the ladies and the manager line um, more as we go on. I mean, we've talked about it so many times. Someone's going to have to hear it eventually, right? So, yeah, I mean, for sure, that's what I would probably pick. Yeah. And when I think Dusty and WWE, I definitely think of Sapphire. So she is needed. Um, I will go with Coco Beware for my second pick. He was actually going to be in Elite 44 and got canceled because of his part in the concussion lawsuit. He was replaced by Sin Cara. Um, I think getting a classic Coco with Frankie the bird, I think that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, so, yeah, Coco would be my second pick. Let's hear from coming down the aisle and then we will move into our number two pick on the countdown. you want to feel the war of the crown? Well, strap on those spandex undies and listen to the Coming Down the Aisle podcast hosted by me, J-Bone. Each week, I have a guest ranging from wrestlers, podcasters, and even some family members. The guests pick the match, and we talk about it along with their fandom. Also, each week, I provide my analysis in the wide world of wrestling and some figure talk. So get on, eat up, and subscribe to the Coming Down the Aisle podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts today. Ooh, yeah, dig it. All right, so it worked out perfectly. Me and Jordan have the same number two on our list. Um, this was WrestleMania 31, really the only true modern-day WrestleMania that we have on our list. Me and Jordan were in the house for it. It was each of our, It was your first WrestleMania also, right, Jordan? That is correct, yep. Yeah, so it was each of our first WrestleMania. So I've told the story a few times on the show, but I'll share it for any first-time listeners. This is the first time on the Pod Warriors show that you guys are hearing this. Um, I Again, after WrestleMania 20, I really went on like a 10-year hiatus from wrestling, man. I kind of took a break from it. 2014, WWE Network comes out, $9.99, access to all these old pay-per-views. I definitely had to have it because I was still into wrestling. I still kept an eye on it. I still kept up with what was going on in the lives of, uh, you know, the older wrestlers that I love so much, but I just wasn't watching the weekly product. So I got it to dig into some of the old pay-per-views and the different documentaries and stuff. And Jordan's just pinging me the whole time. Like, dude, you got to start, che- you got to check out some of the new stuff. You'll like it. Check out the shield, check out these guys, the Wyatt family. You got to see these elite figures and stuff, man. I'm like, all right, whatever dude. And sure enough, like I was, it was extreme rules, 2000, um, 
14. This is the one where the shield fought uh, evolution for the first time. Bray Wyatt fought John Cena in a steel cage match. I was in San Diego for work and I was in my, I'm in my hotel and playing Madden and I just kind of pulled it up on my laptop and I streaming in the background and, you know, more and more, I find myself pausing the game for a minute to see what's happening. Now I'm pausing the game, looking at my laptop for two or three minutes. Before you know it, I'm watching the whole show and I'm hooked, right? So 2014, I'm back in. And I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, I think it was around like October of that year. You hit me up. You're like, hey, me and Ari are going to WrestleMania in Cali. You guys should go. And at first, I kind of like lapped it off. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, because me and Sheena are in Hawaii at the time. So, you know, it's a big deal for us heading back to the mainland for anything. Typically, it was just to go see family in Kentucky. And then I kind of sat there and chewed on it for about 15 minutes. And I told Sheena, I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, I think we should go to WrestleMania this year. And, you know, Sheena's always down for an adventure. She's like, yeah, let's do it. Next thing you know, March, we're meeting Ari and Jordan in in San Jose slash San Francisco for what is without a doubt one of the best weekends of my life. Uh, Jordan, what's some of your big memories from that weekend? Man. I still like I still have vivid memories of asking you to go and I remember like you just being like, What? Why the hell would we go to that? Like, dude, we we don't ever fly back. Like you want to fly back for WrestleMania? And I was like, Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, because at that time you guys didn't have any kids. We had one kid. Um, so I was like, dude, we have to go to this. I mean, how many more chances are we gonna get to and, and the other cool thing about this is is it was outside. So I was like, dude seeing an outdoor WrestleMania on top of it, man, I just, I think we got to go. And so when Seth told me, yeah, dude, let's do it. Um, we booked up our tickets. That whole weekend was just special. That was the last, uh, non-televised NXT show for a takeover. Um, that was the untakeover. That's yeah. what I refer to as arguably the best house show in wrestling history. Oh God. Yeah. And it was such a small place too. So there was only like 5,000 people in this arena. Um, so like to get tickets to it was basically impossible. So I told Seth, you remember we scored, didn't you score like eighth row tickets? And then you ended up like five minutes later, you got third row tickets instead. No. So what happened is, so I, I like anybody that knows me knows like getting tickets. It's, it's like my thing. Like, I, I, I always score the good tickets and people are always like, oh, it's impossible. So I texted Seth. I was like, do you care where we sit for NXT? And he's like, no, I don't care at all. So I, I just bought the first four tickets that I could get. And it was it was just in like the lower bowl. It was like the third mm, row of the lower okay. bowl. So we would have been okay. on the incline. And I was like, damn, dude, seriously, those sold out that fast? So sure as shit, I typed in four again and it pops up third row ringside. I was like, I told Larry, I was like, this is going to cost us a lot more than I thought. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, Larry bought four tickets, but we have to have these four. So I buy them. Luckily, I resold the other ones easily, so it wasn't a problem. But yeah, so we sat third row, um, what would have been camera side at that show for NXT. Um, yeah, and that, that was awesome. That, it was so cool. Uh, but back to WrestleMania, because that's what we're here for. Um, just getting to experience a WrestleMania in person. If if you haven't done it, I highly encourage you to do it. Um, this show was so much fun. The weekend was so much fun. All the all the stuff there is to do at WrestleMania weekend. It's just a blast. And getting to experience it with your friends. I mean, it, it's it's just an unreal experience. So just to piggyback off what Seth said, that's one of the best weekends of my life. Um, there's We made so many memories that weekend, and it all got topped off with WrestleMania, so we'll get into talking about that now. Yeah, it was incredible. My, uh, my match of the night was probably um, 
Page and AJ Lee against the Bills twins, man. I just I thought that was just such a mad classic. No, um, obviously my match of the night and moment of the night was without a shadow of a doubt the uh, the main event. Roman and Brock were putting on a banger so much so that Seth, my favorite modern day wrestler, um, cashed in the briefcase wasn't even a thought. Um, if you go back on the Chick Foley show, we beat this match to death with how much we love just the performance Brock and Roman put on. It's crazy because. We've seen these guys wrestle, you know, going on eight or nine times at this point over the last freaking decade. But somehow that first match at 31, which had like the least hype, people did not want to see this match, right? Like people wanted to see Daniel Bryan. People want to see anybody but Roman main eventing. And Roman went out there and I think he showed a lot. Brock brought his fucking A game and it was just a all out fight capped off with the best money in the bank cash in um that we've ever seen so yeah that, that was hands down my favorite match but there really wasn't a bad match on it you know i joked about the bella twins and aj that was still a solid divas match even we were still firmly in the divas era so that's what it was but it was still good for what it was yeah so it, it's funny that you said that um uh, to start with because um about the lesnar and reigns thing dude do you remember so we're me and seth were texting back and forth and i was like Dude, they're really playing tug of war with the belt on Monday Night Raw to lead into WrestleMania. This is going to be the worst WrestleMania ever, and we're going to be in the building for it. This is a true. The build, the build for this mania was so bad to the point that like I was bummed. Like I remember, like leave. It was either like the day I'm going to Hawaii, or maybe it was the day before, or the day I'm going to the airport to fly to Cali, or maybe the day before. I remember literally having the thought like, man, it's kind of a bummer that this is the mania we're going to. It has like the worst build ever, but it just blew everything out of the water. It was damn near perfect, man. That the build was atrocious. It is too. Like I I tell everybody and I don't, you can argue this with yourself if you want. I don't care. 30 and 31 are the last two great WrestleManias that we've got. Um, And I mean, before that it had been a while. So yeah, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. Uh, the main event was definitely the high point, but I will say in a close second, Rollins also involved in the match. Orton and Rollins gives it a run for its money. That was money. a hell of a match, That match man. is phenomenal, yeah. and it has the, one of the best RKOs ever. Yeah, I think I think that was the best RKO ever until we saw the uh, the Burning Fiend RKO. I think that one beat it, man, when the Fiend was on fire and uh, he got RKO. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was a great one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, like you said, it was the last great one. I feel like this was the last time it felt special to be on Mania because there's only seven matches on the main show. Like, that's it. It's only seven matches. It's a, you know, There's not 12, 13 matches. It's not two nights of WrestleMania. It's seven matches. So just being on that show is special. You have... The big multi-man Intercontinental Championship match, Rollins and Orton, Sting and freaking Triple H, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. You had the Divas match. You had Cena and Rusev when Rusev was at his absolute peak, Undertaker and Bray Wyatt, and then Roman and Brock Lesnar. There was That was all killer, no filler, man. Like, And it was under four hours, too. That was the last time we had a WrestleMania show that you know you didn't need like a, a freaking IV or something to be able to get through, man. Um, so, yeah. Awesome show all the way around. A lot of great matches. If I if my low light is probably Sting losing. I don't think it's as much of like a mortal sin as some people make it out to be. But still, it sucked after all that seeing the you know, seeing the Stinger lose his first match in WWE. 
And then to make matters worse, his hair is all fucked up and he somehow, for some reason, he decides to shake Triple H's hand. Like, I'm sorry, dude. If somebody hits me in the fucking head, I'm not shaking their hand five minutes later under any circumstances, man. Like, that's just a rule to live by, bro. You hit me with a sledgehammer, we ain't fucking shaking hands. So that that's my low light of the night is the way the Sting loss went down. Even though that match was a ton of fun, Jordan actually called it too. Like, uh, he, he called the NWO coming out about 90 seconds for their music hit. So... Hats off to him on that. Uh, how about you? What's what's a uh, couple of your lowlights, Jordan? So the the finish of that match is definitely a low light because I definitely want to see Sting win. Dude, for me, the low light of the entire weekend is Bray getting hurt before his biggest match at WrestleMania. Yeah. It just, I mean, the match itself is fine. Like, I've went back and watched it numerous times. The match is fine. You can definitely tell something's wrong with Bray, though. Like, yeah, they never really hit the top gear. Bray actually, he hurt his ankle during warmups and stuff with the Undertaker. And when we, me and Seth read that, um, I think it was the morning of WrestleMania, and Seth was like, "Are you kidding me, dude?" Because as much as Seth wants to give me crap about, because I definitely did cosplay as Bray for this show, just so we're clear. <laughs> and as much crap as he wants to give me about this, he was just as deflated as I was that Bray. I love Bray Wyatt. Yeah, that's my first elite figure was Elite Twenty Eight Bray. Man, I love Bray Wyatt. Like, make no mistake about it. I defended that last Fiend figure that for being Bray's last WWE figure that that made it so special. You know, yeah. So I love Bray. I was definitely bummed. Um, I was actually. Uh, I ended up being pleasantly surprised because when i heard he was hurt i was expecting something much less than what we actually ended up getting on that match and that that was also the weekend that me and seth met bray so that was a that was a definitely cool. a special weekend man it was really cool to do um but yeah that that's really my only lowlights um i have to give for a high moment the fact that we got the rock and ronda rousey in the ring together at the first time um that that moment was really cool and it was just like Nobody knew it was going to happen. Rock comes out and he looks down at Rousey and brings her into the ring. And I, I just remember like me, Seth and Sheena and Ari were just going nuts when, when it happened. It was just crazy to see. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Like seeing Ronda come out, the pop was insane. When the Rock's music hit, the pop was off the charts. Like really, really good. Um, moving on to figures. I'm looking at it. I think we've gotten pretty much everybody we need from this show we had an awesome toys r us exclusive seth rollins commemorating this event um brock was just in his brock gear we got roman from this undertaker and bray uh cena and rusev we got triple h in the undertake in the terminator gear i think we're all set man can you think of anything figure wise that we need from this event jordan no uh they did do a phenomenal job when when we left this, me and Seth were talking about figures. I even remember this. And Seth's like, what do you think should get a figure out of this? And I know me and him both said Triple H right away because that entrance gear was so dope when he came out. Um, so I was glad we got that one right away. And then, I mean, we got the Sting one technically, just not without the rubbed off face paint, which we don't need. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. I, I don't think we need anything. Um, as far as best figure, I mean, I think we're bo- both going to be in unanimous decision on this one it's the rollins by far yeah he's a great figure especially the moc really great packaging commemorating that event that was a tours us exclusive again i never even saw that on the pegs man so that was a very hot figure there towards the end of 2015 again this is just an outstanding wrestlemania by chance you haven't seen it yet go back and watch it uh one of my buddies at work is kind of similar to me he was a real big wrestling fan back in the day and he's just getting back into it 
he hit me up today asking me to send him a playlist of some events to watch over the weekend. And this was the first event that I sent him, uh, Resurrection Mania 31, to check it out. I think it's going to age really well also because it's unique being an outdoor mania on the West Coast. The sun was out basically the entire event, man. It starts to get a little bit of twilight during Undertaker and Bray. But it's the sun is still out uh, when Roman and Brock are making their entrances for the main event. And it's kind of cool. The night's kind of getting darker and darker as the match is getting more dramatic and dramatic. And this that ending, seeing all the pyro go off and the neon lights going up in the sky with Seth holding that belt up. Beautiful stage design. Yeah, I think this mania is going to age really well as the as the years go by. And uh, it's why it was the unanimous uh, decision for me and Jordan for number two. Uh, Jordan, you want to have a drink before we get into our number one picks? I mean, why wouldn't we? Let's do it. All right, you guys know when me and Jordan get together, we're usually bypassing the beer and going straight to the hard stuff. Uh, I am drinking my classic Sprite and Maker's Mark tonight. Do a couple cherries in there just to class it up a little bit, give a little bit of wang to it. But yeah, some uh, maraschino cherries, Sprite, and a double shot of Maker's Mark for me. Jordan, what are you drinking? So I went with a new concoction at the Wells household. We're doing... Oh God. Ooh, we're doing some uh, Jameson orange and cream soda tonight. So Whoa. it basically is an orange. You got to give me this recipe, man. It's basically an orange dream sickle is what it tastes like. Like that's the easiest way for me to explain it to you. It's amazing. Like the, the orange Jameson just hits completely different. I don't, I don't know. There's orange Jameson. I didn't even know this was the thing, dude. Oh yeah. Th- that's the entire recipe. Orange Jameson and cream soda. That's it. Wow. Okay. Orange Jameson and cream soda. Interesting. All right. I'm going to try that out. It's a hitter. You said it tastes like a, like a, uh, cream, like a dream sickle. Yep. Just like a dream sickle. Nice. All right. Let's get into our number one WrestleManias respectively. I should have set up the drum roll on the uh, soundboard, but anyways, let's just pretend it's there. Number one for me, sticking with the early nineties. This is kind of going to be the aberration for me. You know, my top, uh, my top four was, was seven and eight. And now I'm going to, I'm going to skip nine cause nine kind of blew. Aside from the set design, my number one WrestleMania all time, Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania 10. Um, this one for, I just, I love this show. It's iconic being the 10th WrestleMania, had the, the special entrance way. It's in MSG, which, you know, no matter where else they go, that's still always going to be WWE's home. And of course, it ends with Bret Hart standing tall, holding up his second championship title. So, WrestleMania 10 is my all time favorite pay per view. I've definitely watched that one. That one and 31 are my two I've watched the most. They're, those are both kind of like my wrestling comfort food events I throw on if I just need something in the background. Uh, and yeah, it's 10. How about you, Jordan? You got any thoughts on WrestleMania 10? I loved watching this show. Like, I, I just remember um, watching this live. And um, obviously, we'll get into what we think is the best match and stuff on this. And everybody has their opinion on this one. But um, I just remember watching this. And I always loved when they went to the garden. Like, I mean, even being that young, like, you knew it was special when it was at the garden, right? Um, I, I love the entrance, right? I love the entrance way. It was just so cool when they split the X when they came out. I, I, I loved it. Um, very good WrestleMania. This one's, I think this one's a little underrated. Obviously not on yours, but um, as the years have gone by, I think this one's kind of been overlooked a little bit. Which it's I low think, key, man. It's you know, it's got the ladder match, but other than that, there's nothing super spectacular. I think this one's just quality all the whoa, way through. Though, no, there's two spectacular matches on this. Let's not. Well, we got Owen and Brett, but I feel like that's a Matt classic. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of like high spots from that that get replayed like over and over on like the WrestleMania montages. You know? Yeah, I, I can see that, but yeah, I mean, 
the this is the best ladder match for WrestleMania ever. I mean, it's not even really debatable, is it? I mean, I guess you can debate I it. I think this is arguably the best ladder match ever, man. Yeah. It's just it's low key. Like they I mean, we'll go ahead and get into it. They uh I, I will say that's my favorite match. It's it slightly beats Brett and Owens match, which was another just five star classic, just because I liked Owen and Brett's SummerSlam ninety four match in the cage a little bit better. So I kind of downgrade that one just because I've seen those two guys have a better match together. Um but that ladder match was awesome. They didn't overuse the ladder. Like every time they used the ladder, it mattered. They didn't rush to get to it. And it was the first time we've seen it. So they obviously get, you know, they got the novelty points and stuff. And there's some true high spots, you know, Sean hitting that big splash. And then when he did the splash, like on the ladder from the corner um, and razor was great. Also, obviously it was, you know, it was a Shawn Michaels match through and through, but razor did a good job in the supporting role. And he had the iconic shot at the end of it, holding up both the intercontinental championship belts. So yeah, the ladder match to me is the best match from this show. How about you, Jordan? Oh yeah. It's, that's an iconic match. I mean, that's, that's up there for best WrestleMania matches period for me. Um, this is definitely one you can put on at any time and definitely going to get you in the WrestleMania spirit. Um, it kind of sucks that Brett and Yoko went on after this. I mean, granted Brett wins the title, but dude, there was just so much of a, you know, like the crowd was so into that ladder match that like when Brett wins the title, I mean, the crowd's still into it, but it's just like, Shit, man, we just spent everything for yeah, 20 minutes. <laughs> so there was supposed to be a 10-man... I don't know if you remember this, man, a little trivia. There was supposed to be a 10-man tag match that went on in between the ladder match and Brett and Yoko to kind of just be a little palate cleanser. But uh, Sean and Razor ended up going long, so... Uh, that's why I went straight to Brett and Yoko. But yeah, I still felt like Brett and Yoko was okay because it was a short match and there wasn't really... Uh, you know, they didn't. Have, it, it wasn't doing much. It was just there to get the belt back onto Brett. Um, but yeah, that one's my favorite. Brett and Owen is awesome also. This was a rare event. Dave Meltzer gave two matches on the same show, five stars. So Brett and Owen got five stars from Uncle Dave and the Sean and Razor ladder match. So really, really great event. Um, everything's fun on here. There's nothing bad. Even Men on a Mission versus the Quebecers is a pretty decent tag match. It's entertaining for what it is. It's only seven minutes long. You got Bam Bam and Luna going up against Doink and Dink in a fun mixed tag match. Um, Randy Savage beats Crush in a Falls Count Anywhere match. We're getting that ultimate edition of Macho Man later on this year. Yeah, just a really fun show. Um, as far as lowlights go, I'd probably say Yokozuna and Lex Luger. Like by this point, Lex Luger's push had gone stale. And I don't think anybody, he was a babyface, but I don't think anybody wanted to see Lex win this. I think everybody pretty much wanted to see Yoko win and for it to be Yoko taking out Brett in the main event. Um, how about you, Jordan? You got any lowlights? I mean,. I think the biggest one for me is probably Adam Bomb getting pinned in 32 seconds by Earthquake just because I loved Adam Bomb. Yeah, um, we talked about that before on here. Like, yeah. why did Adam Bomb not get a bigger push? Yeah, it just sucks. I mean, it, it just really, I don't know, man. It, that just, that kind of still bothers me to this day. The fact that Adam Bomb is in a WrestleMania match just getting squashed in 32 seconds. So, that freaking earthquake. Yeah, and I I love earthquake, so that's not a slight against him at all. So, but by 1994, like his days were numbered. I want to say he was in WW or WCW within the next year as the Shark. That sounds about right. So, yeah, that that's my dead of the night. Definitely. Uh, as far as figures go, we got some great ones. We got Yoko from this event. We got Brett, Sean from this event. We have not gotten Razor again. I've said before. I think Razor Ramon is probably the most underrepresented um, star from the new generation in the elite line. We've gotten very few. We got him in the defining moments and like his pink purple gear, 
we got an elite of him in like his street clothes from like the original introduction videos of Razor Ramon. And then we got him in his blue gear um, from uh, in the Legends line on the first reboot of the Legends line. So I'd love to get a Razor with all the entrance gear and stuff. And you could even, or if you wanted, ditch the entrance gear, have him packaged on the ladder, holding up both belts, man. Like give him two, have him come with two Intercontinental Championships. Screw it. I think that'd be pretty sweet. So that's probably my most wanted figure from this because. I don't see any men on a mission would be great. I don't see us any way of getting uh, men on a mission or Quebecers figures anytime in the near future. So my realistic best or like most wanted is razor from the ladder match. How about you, Jordan? What's your most wanted figure? I'd probably go Adam bomb. Honestly. I mean, I know you get squashed on this, but I'd still like to have an Adam bomb elite just to say I had one. Um, yeah. Jill has got them in the works for their uncensored lines. Hopefully they deliver. Um, we saw, we recently saw pictures of Sabu, the first figure from that. That's basically their equivalent of the elites and he looks outstanding. So hopefully they come through with a really nice Adam bomb for us. Yeah. All right, Jordan, let's hear your number one WrestleMania of all time. All right. So this one was a pretty much no brainer for me. When Seth asked me to pick five, this was number one before I even picked anything else. Uh, WrestleMania 17. Um, I don't need to say a whole lot about this card, but I'll, I'll say a little bit. Uh, it was at the Houston Astrodome, which absolutely phenomenal place to have WrestleMania. Um, great backdrop. The entrance ramp was awesome. Everything about this event felt incredible. And I mean, this is basically your last big attitude era WrestleMania. Um, this, I mean, you have 19, but it, this is this to me is kind of your your attitude era send off, right? Um, Definitely. The everything on this card is pretty solid. There's a couple not so great matches, but I'm pretty sure I don't know this for a hundred percent fact, but I'm pretty sure Meltzer gave at least three four star matches out on this, maybe four four star matches. Um, it's widely regarded as the best pay-per-view in pro wrestling history. Yeah, I mean, it's not even really debatable. I mean, it's not even really like an arguable thing. Like, it is what it is. And I, I understand why people don't like it because the Attitude Era has not aged well at all, obviously. Um, there's a lot of things they did in the Attitude Era that they can't even put on Peacock, which that should <laughs> tell you about all you need to know about it. Um they were definitely doing some things at this time that were probably not PC and definitely are not PC now. Um, but let's, let's go through a little bit of the card here. Um, so Kurt Angle and um, Chris cannot be named. Uh, we're in a phenomenal match. Um, I really enjoyed that match. It really sucks that you can't enjoy it as much anymore, but still a great match. Uh, Shane and McMahon, Mr. McMahon is... <laughs> I mean, what can you I say? I love it. Man. Yeah, I love it. That's so much fun, dude. Yeah. The pop when Linda rises up out of that wheelchair. It's like, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> Mick Foley's the guest referee. Phenomenal. Uh, Christian and Edge versus Jeff, Matt, and the Dudleys in the TLC match. I mean, th- this is like, uh, this is like tag team. I mean, this is like euphoria. Like this is this is something you watched uh, to set the night, set the mood for the night. Like this to me is this is the the peak of tag team wrestling for me. This match is so good. And the wild thing is, I didn't even realize it only went fifteen minutes because it felt like they were out there for an hour. Like there's this high spot after high spot, car crash after car crash. Yeah, it's intense. It, it's just so crazy that they put this match on. Um, Undertaker and Triple H. I mean, th- this is a really good match. And then 
We'll get down to the main event. Austin and The Rock in what is by far their best uh, match ever to me. Like this is the this is the creme de la creme for Austin and The Rock for me. Yeah, their match at WrestleMania 19 was really kind of just like a chaser. I feel like I feel like this was the real like the finish of their rivalry. Um, awesome match, no disqualification for the championship. They go 28 minutes. Both guys get busted open. Uh, hell of a match and it ends with the Steve Austin heel turn um what did you think about this Jordan I hated this moment like this is the one part of this show that I hated and I knew I kind of knew it was coming I had an inkling because somebody needed to be turned heel out of this and I I just didn't think they were going to turn the rock heel at this point um I I hated his heel turn dude I, I still hate it to this day to be completely honest with you yeah, he's talked about how it's one of his big regrets. He said if he could go back, he just would have called an audible and still have Vince help him win. And then when Vince comes in to celebrate, just stutter and just, you know, you could always make it up to say, hey, he tricked him into helping him win just because he wanted the belt so much. And I think people still would have cheered for Austin yep. and not held it against him. Um, so is is Rock and Austin, is that your match of the night? Oh, 100%. I, I mean, you could debate a lot of things on here, but yeah, Rock and Austin is it for me. I'd probably go TLC just because that one's so memorable. That spot where Edge spears Jeff Hardy off the belt, like from the ladder in the corner, like to me, that's in my top like three or four high spots in my history of watching wrestling. And I just think it was fun. I liked how they brought in the extras too, bringing in Lita, bringing in Rhino and bringing in Spike Dudley. I thought they were some awesome cameos to really just add some extra juice to that match. So that one is my favorite. Uh, Do you have any lowlights from this event, Jordan? I know it's hard to pick. Like you said, this one was pretty much badass from top to bottom. It really is. I think my low light is the fact that they only gave Jericho and Regal seven minutes. Like that was such a good feud leading up to this. I don't know how much of this you probably don't remember a lot of this anymore, but like this is when Jericho peed in Regal's coffee and or in his tea. Yeah, and I remember that. Man. Just phenom- yeah. just phenomenal. I was I was still watching. I was still watching every week at this point. I remember WCW got purchased like at the mo- the Monday before this event, so I was I was locked in. I felt like everything was really coming together for this to be like the best year in wrestling history. Uh, and yeah, I agree. You know, Jericho and Regal could have put on like a 20 minute classic if they had enough time to do it. So I I'd probably agree with you. I, not necessarily that what they did was bad, but it would have been cool to see them get a little bit more time. Uh, do you got any most wanted figures from, from this show, Jordan? I'm trying to think what's been made from this show. You're probably going to know more of this. Like there's probably the figures I'm probably going to want most are a lot of the guys that were in the gimmick battle Royal, honestly, because you got, yeah, Duke definitely. Yeah, Gobby, Gooker, yeah. A bunch of people that we need. Yeah. For sure. So that, that would probably be my choice is a lot of the people. I mean, one man gangs in there. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of people in there that need figs. So that's what I would so probably to- to me, there is only one right answer to this question, Jordan. It is not anyone from the Gimmick Battle Royal. We need Linda McMahon in the wheelchair. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't snap that up, man. That we need that again. That was such a moment. You could do two head sculpts also. You could do a head sculpt where she's catatonic, you know, still in her coma or whatever, and then the head sculpt when she snaps out of it and goes and kicks Vince in the uh, the the little uh, the little McMahon. So yeah, that, that's what. I, yeah, give give me Linda, man. That's that is what we need in figure form. So that's gonna be a wrap for the first episode of the Pod Warriors. Jordan, what'd you think, man? Did you enjoy this? Yeah, man. I I hope everyone else enjoys this because honestly, we've talked about this for a while. Like we said at the beginning, I mean, me and Seth can probably talk about wrestling for five hours and it won't get tiring for us. So 
we we knew we had to keep this down a little bit because we didn't want to. We're at an hour twenty five, and it flew by for me, dude. Like I I I just looked up. This is the first time I really looked up at the clock, and I'm like, holy shit, dude. We're at an hour and a half on this. <laughs> yeah. So I hope everyone enjoys this. Um, this is definitely something that. I want to continue doing because, like I said, I love talking wrestling. I love talking wrestling with Seth. And um, if everyone likes this and we can keep this going, it'd be really fun. And hopefully we can mix in some other topics and stuff. So, yeah, man, I I love doing it. I'm glad I got to do it with you. So, Hell yeah. So uh, when Sheena, when this episode goes up, make sure you guys comment on Sheena's Instagram post. Again, that's at Chick Foley. Let us know what you think. And more importantly, for the premium Foley fan members in the uh, private Facebook group, let us know what you think about this and toss out some ideas of stuff you want to talk about. Again, we're kind of just going to freestyle it from week to week on what we talk about. Um, so let us know what you want to hear and you can join that at chickfolyshow.com. It's a lot of fun. We always got a lot of, uh, a lot of cool stuff going on in addition to all the assists that you're going to get on buying figures. So that's a wrap for the pilot episode of the pod warriors. Again, let us know what you guys think and enjoy WrestleMania this weekend. Drops fall, and the beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through to make those rainbows in my mind. When I think of you, sometime and I want to spend some time with you, just the two of us.